It's snowing. It is snowing. I can't believe you're here. I know. I braved the storm for you. <laughs> for all of you. I mean, there's like a quarter of an inch on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the beginning, though. It's a Seattle blizzard. I think it's supposed to be legit. Just it's only barely starting. So I figured I was safe to drive right now. So, well, maybe we'll have a white Christmas. Which this will come out the day after Christmas, right? Well, I believe it's supposed to um, warm up by this weekend, which frankly, I would much prefer because I really don't want snow messing with my plans. I want people coming over and doing the big fun holiday thing. And if the snow is here and they can't get there, then I'm going to be sad. Okay. No snow. (laughs) I was thinking of a different adjective than sad. What would that be? Spicy, pissy. I don't know. Mad. No, I get... (laughs) I get really sad when plans get, like, interrupted, and if I'm, like, looking forward to a thing and it can't happen, I get bummed. Oh, like your birthday party gets canceled or something. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, hi. This is Prosecco Theory. Oh, hi. Oh, hello. Before we jump into anything that we've planned for this week, I wanted to amend something from last week. Hopefully, you all listened to and loved the episode about the topic that shall not be named. Consensual <laughs> adult incest. <laughs> that one. Uh, but I wanted to say that after we recorded that, I had dinner with a friend who is a geneticist and was mentioning that we had done this. And he was like, why the fuck didn't you talk to me first? And I was like, well, that's a good yeah, question. It's a really great question. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the biggest thing I got out of that, we didn't talk about it for long, but was that it's not so much about the possibility or likelihood of genetic defect per kid these two people get together and their likelihood of having a kid with some sort of genetic mutation is 5% or whatever. It's more that the more common that is, the more that happens, the more homogeneous the population gets. And then the less likely we all are to be able to adapt and fight off disease or whatever, because our DNA is more and more the same over time. So it's more about the long game. Okay. Anyway, I thought that was a very important distinction that we did not make. So I wanted to throw that in there. We did not make that because we were not as educated about that as we should have been and probably should have asked. Right. Knowing that you are good friends with this individual. Would have been smart. Didn't <laughs> think of it. I I don't know. Anyway, now we never have to talk about it again. I mean, you don't have to. <laughs> You're so squirmy. <laughs> Instead, what are we talking about? We're going to talk about a different kind of squirmy uh, topic. <laughs> Dating. (laughs) And we're back. Mm. We actually haven't talked about dating in a while. Because neither of us have really been doing it. I don't have any stories as of late, you know? Like, I've been taking a big old break. I have stories that I don't want to share. That's fair. Which is different. (laughs) You all probably don't think that there's much we don't say, but trust me, (laughs) there's, (laughs) there's more. Yeah. You know, as we're getting closer to the new year, I've been thinking about a little more because I kind of set that as a goal for myself to see out 2022. Take a break from dating. Take a break. Get back into it in the new year if I want to. I've been getting those notifications from dating apps. Hey, you've been absent too long. We're going to hide your profile. Yeah. And go ahead. Okay, fine. (laughs) Do it. I was told on Saturday night that my friend Jamie is, she's pretty sure she saw Michael on Bumble. And I'm like, of course you did. What? Okay. Well, I'm getting back on. It's funny because <laughs> she hasn't spent much time on there at all in the last couple of years, really, because she fucking hates it. And she's genuinely happy single. She's like, I'm alone, but I'm not lonely, which by the way, is a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight. 
But she's like, ah, you know, somebody was talking about it and I got the little itch and I was like, all right, fine, I'll try it. And she goes, I was about four swipes in and I saw his stupid face and I was like, fuck it, never mind, I'm out. (laughs) And she quit again. Dang. Uh Uh-huh. He's getting back out there. Oh, I'm sure he's been. Yeah. I bet he didn't take most of the rest of the year off. That's true. In fact, maybe his profile was up the whole time. He's never taken it You know what? Probably. (laughs) Anywho. I saw this article a couple weeks ago, and I sent it to you. It's called How the Rise of Healthy Dating Standards is, quote, Screwing Over Men. It was written for Medium in August this year. The title definitely caught my attention, and I just wanted to talk about it. So Yeah, it was interesting. It made me think of Don't Worry Darling. Mm-hmm. I also found the tone of it to be a little aggressive in some places. I had a feeling you'd say that. <laughs> The tone, I'm not saying that anything that they're saying is wrong, but yeah. Anyway, go ahead. The gist of the article is that women now are more capable than ever before of providing for themselves. The world has changed in so many ways over the last several decades. You know, women are every bit as capable of holding a job and making their own money as men are now. And that did not used to be the case. Kind of intentional because these women that are in the adult working population now, a lot of them were raised with the expectation like you go to college, you get a job, you have a career. Right. You know, you're not just going to depend on someone else to take care of you there was an empowerment component. Absolutely. Yeah. So whereas, you know, you think about the 40s and the 50s, a lot of marriages were that more traditional gender role model where the man would go off to work and the wife would be home taking care of the kids and taking care of the house and cooking and cleaning and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So everybody in that scenario, theoretically, was really bringing something to the table. Where now, mostly, you have two working people, and maybe they're also raising kids, let's assume they make equal money and work equal hours. Let's like take those variables off the table. The women tend to take on so much more of the household labor with Mm -hmm. the kids, with the home, with whatever. A study recently found that on average, women do 21 more hours of unpaid labor per week. Uh, There's a sociologist named Arlie Hochschild, Hochschild, who coined that the second shift. Mm. If that's the case, (laughs) why would that woman want another person to just take care of and not have them be a fully contributing partner? Especially when for the most part, and this is another piece of this article, it talks about how, you know, men typically, and this is starting to change, I think, but men typically are not as communicative and affectionate and emotionally available and emotionally intelligent. And, you know, obviously we're talking about heterosexual couples here. But you've got one half of this couple doing far more of the work and trying to float everybody through life. Why? Why fucking bother? So there are more and more women choosing to be single Mm -hmm. because they're happier. Question, and maybe I just don't remember this part of the article. Did they speak to single women who actually said, I'm not getting on dating apps or pursuing dating for this reason? Or did they do this research about the women taking on more in the relationship and their hypothesis is that that is why women are not dating as much? And the reason why I'm asking that question is because it seems to me out of the people that I know that are single that are choosing to get on apps and go on dates, it's not so much a logical as it is an emotional decision. Mm-hmm. 
because they're lonely or they crave things that come along with a relationship like affection, sex, somebody to come home to, all of those things. I mean, you're looking at one. Yeah. So that was a long way of asking that question. But are they just hypothesizing based on that research? Or did they actually speak to women who said, I'm not doing this anymore? And this is why? Well, this particular article is more of a kind of meta analysis of a few other articles and studies, and less about the direct, like she doesn't have any quotes from anybody specifically. She's just looking at the data from some other places. And I think making an educated guess as to why. Right. One of the articles that she quotes pretty heavily is from Psychology Today, also from August this year, by Dr. Greg Matos called What's Behind the Rise of Lonely Single Men. And he said that, number one, men represent approximately 62% of dating app users. And number two, he does a live TikTok show at a Better Love Project. And he speaks with hundreds of audience members every week. And he says, I hear recurring dating themes from women between the ages of 25 and 45. They prefer men who are emotionally available, who are good communicators, and who share their values. He's essentially saying, from talking specifically to these people, what he's hearing from them is that men need to level up their you know, mental health game, he says. like They need to do some therapy and address this gap in these soft skills. Because women don't want that anymore. Hmm. You know? Yeah, I think that the expectations are different. It seems to me that from what I read, and then like what I feel based on what I've seen out there, women are able to demand more of men because they can and will do it on their own. Like you and I started this by talking about taking a break from apps and stuff. We don't have to be on the apps. We don't have to be dating. We don't have to find a partner. We are working and parenting and hanging out with friends and doing all the things on our own. We have fulfilling lives without without someone. So because of that, we are able to say, if there's not somebody that meets all these expectations or requirements, I guess I have Mm -hmm. for a person that I'm going to partner up with. um, Or if that person's really hard to find, maybe sometime I'm going to take a break from trying to find them because I don't need them to function or survive. Yeah. If and when you're looking, you want to find somebody who complements your life. They supplement, they're not going to make it or break it. Right. It's though like, I want someone, I don't need someone yeah. type thing. Yeah. But it's interesting because, you know, there's this idea that women are raising the bar for what the standards are for these men, where as far as I'm concerned, and certainly some of what I read today is talking about how the bar was non-existent before. There's been this big gap in time between when women started being able to fully provide for themselves generally speaking, obviously, and men becoming more emotionally available and intelligent. The way that we raise boys has changed a bit and I think is continuing to change for the better. But for the most part, certainly men our age and older, you know, emotion was bad. Be tough. Don't show any weakness. This is what women are supposed to do for you. Like there's all these ways that it's not their fault. It is their responsibility now, but they were conditioned into thinking that we are supposed to take care of everyone all the time. And we were also conditioned into that. So women now are starting to reject that, I think. It is kind of a rapid shift. You know, there's five kids in my family. And when we talk about things associated with us being really little or something about our kids, my dad will often say, 
Yeah, I don't remember because your mom pretty much took care of all that stuff. Yeah. But then, you know, now we're in this age where companies, a lot of companies are offering paternity leave. And I think that the primary goal is that it's supposed to give fathers time to bond with their baby. Mm -hmm. But I find it so curious. Like I have a couple of friends who recently have gone on paternity leave and I can't wait to ask them. Since you were there and available, were you doing half the work, right? You know, were you really pitching in a lot? Because yeah. a lot of times it's like husband has to get up and go to work in the morning and wife is on maternity leave. So she's taking the brunt of that nighttime feeding or whatever. But if he has that time off, mm-hmm. and is that starting at least in terms of parenting and with children, is that starting early enough that it will just continue to carry on? You know, the expectation that we're raising this child together and right. we're both putting in similar effort. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you're also just perpetuating those gender roles, too. If your kid sees both of you go to work and then you both come home and dad sits down and watches the game or reads the paper or whatever, has a beer and relaxes after work while mom immediately jumps into cooking and cleaning. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you teaching your kids? Now, obviously, as the world is evolving a bit, we are seeing more and more of that equitable division, but it's still not actually equal at all. But I wonder what those hours would have been, you know, even 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying we're not making progress. Yeah. But it's still pretty uneven. So what are the men saying about this research? How are they handling all this in terms of women being a lot more willing and able to just say, fuck it. I'm not going to go on the dating apps or I'm not going to pursue this so hard. It seems like they're reporting loneliness. And from what I can tell, it it seems like they have a very like victim mentality about it. The ones that are single and alone and yeah. not finding much success in the mm-hmm. dating world. Make no mistake, this kind of narrative and, and men feeling this way can lead to and does sometimes lead to like incels which takes it from a man feeling sad at home because he doesn't have a date to a very, very real threat to women. Mm -hmm. So it would benefit all of us to figure out how to address this in a way that takes care of everyone. Helping men as a whole come along with growing emotionally, we'd all be better off, right? But like I said, it's, you know, the bar was in hell before. Like there was, it wasn't even on the ground. So, (laughs) you know, if I'm trying to get into a relationship with someone and they aren't communicative and affectionate and emotionally intelligent, then I don't want anything to do with them just because you are big and strong and tough and make money. Like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. How much of that do you think is cultural? Like, do you think that this shift is required in our country and in other countries? A big, strong, tough man is still expected to be the model? Certainly some, I'm sure. This is a very Western view. Yeah. A lot of this research was done in the UK. Okay. But also very Western culture. So, right. Before we move in any other direction, I want to read this real quick. This is from an article from Glamour called Women Are Dating With Higher Standards and Demanding More From Their Relationships. Apparently, it's hurting men. It says, good communication, emotional intelligence, and availability are hardly strict criteria to help you find a great partner. They're basic entry-level requirements for, well, being a grown-up. If you don't (laughs) possess them, something has gone very wrong. That something is good old sexism. (laughs) And they're talking about, like, the ways in which we were raised differently from the way that the boys are raised, right? Right. You know, that's why partially I was keying in on the paternity leave thing, because I wonder if, in terms of raising 
boys and men differently, that's a good jumping off point because right out of the gate, that expectation is there. And then if it continues and the love and emotional interaction with the parent and the child continues, if it's a boy, that's going to be demonstrated for them in a way that it wasn't demonstrated even like for our generation very much where there wasn't a lot of interaction like that with the dad, like, let's talk about feelings, Mm -hmm. you know, or whatever. Yeah. Maybe that's a big step. I think so. Just need everyone to fucking work on it. This article says one more thing. Women are increasingly viewing the picket fenced picture of heterosexuality as a trap and associating men with captivity. This clearly has a point of view. Yeah. So it's unsurprising they're raising their standards and asking for something more from men. They don't necessarily want a husband. They want someone to hang out with who isn't an asshole. (laughs) That's what we're raising our standards to. (laughs) Right. Well, that's the whole point. That's why I said the bar was in hell before. (laughs) Not an asshole? Sure, I'll have a drink with you. I've really come a long way in my expectations for myself. Fucking low bar. I'm just jumping all around articles here, but there's one from the OKCupid blog from 2017 called Women Today Are Rejecting Traditional Dating Standards More Than Ever. And, you know, this was almost six years ago. Uh Some statistics here. You know how on OKCupid, there's all those different questions you can answer. Right. You can, for those of you who have never been on there, there's hundreds, if not thousands of questions that you can answer. And then it uses that information. Their algorithm tries to match you with somebody who's going to be a good fit. And then when you are looking at someone's profile, it will tell you what your compatibility score is. So the more questions you answer, the more accurate it is. Because if you've only answered five questions this person has answered a hundred and three out of your five questions were the same answers as his, it's going to make it look like you have a high compatibility score. But what if you answered all the same hundred he did and you only agreed on like 20? Yeah. Then it's going to say your compatibility score is like 20% versus 60 or whatever. Right. So it is beneficial to you and it's in your best interest to answer those questions. But sometimes they're hard. Like I get stuck and I'm like, do I want to? I think it gives you the option to skip. It does. But it's like some stuff you don't want to answer. It Um, doesn't give you great options always. Right. Or it tries to be provocative, you know, like things that people tend to have like polarized views on. And if you're somewhere in the middle, you're kind of like, well, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't like this option or this option. Right. So it does give you the the choice to write in a little something too. So you could answer it, but then amend it somehow. Like add a comment. Yeah. Yeah. Not that people actually look at that shit. I don't know. I used to. I mean, I do. Before I became dating app jaded. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll have, you know, renewed energy for it in 2023. (laughs) Anyway, they took data from those questions, like from their database, and looked at women in the US and Canada, how these women had answered, or, you know, as a group, women had answered these questions every year from 2007 to 2017 to study the shifts in the sentiments. Okay. And they found that 20% of single women on OkCupid then in 2017 believed that the men should be the head of the household. And that was down from 30% nine years prior. Ooh, I, I hope it's down at least another 10% over the last six years. I hope so. Although, I mean, think about it. And like we talk about with everything, we're here. There's still a whole middle of the country that. Yeah, that's you know, true. It says that also single women are feeling less obligated, way less obligated to maintain social standards of beauty. I think the pandemic probably assisted, but no, this is before that was pre-pandemic. Yeah, this is 2017. So you're going to love this. It says 
In 2007, 43% of women said that they believed women should keep their legs shaved. <laughs> Only 20% felt that way in 2017. Because <laughs> they've all had electronic hair removal. Uh, no. Check I'm your just privilege. Joking. <laughs> Happy to be in the minority on that. Yeah. One. <laughs> anyway, these are just some ways in which things are changing. We're seeing it all a little differently. Okay, I like this one a lot. Are you ready? I've got a whole article here from the Pew Research Center with statistics okay. about dating in the US. Lay it on me. This is from 2020. Does it say what month 2020? August. Okay. But I think they use data. Let's see. It was from a survey they conducted in October 2019. So this article came out in 2020, but all of the data is pre-pandemic. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I just think it's something that no one's ever going to be able to ignore again when they're considering data. Absolutely. Like if you were looking at the year 2020, Mm -hmm. what month and just automatically your results are going to be skewed. Yes. Yeah. That is not the case here. Okay. Most daters say their dating lives aren't going well. And that it's difficult to find people to date. Can confirm. (laughs) Yeah. Plus one here. Only 33% of daters said that overall things in their dating life were going very or fairly well. And only 25% of daters said that they had found it very or somewhat easy to find people to date in the last year. Again, this is 2019. Mm -hmm. What do you think are the top relationship deal breakers? Oh, this is like family feud. Uh Uh-huh. The top five answers are on the board. (laughs) Okay, let's see. Uh, Religion? No. That is ninth on the list with 23% saying definitely or probably would not date. Having a different religion. Okay. Um, Height? Not even listed. Wow. Money? Like salary? Uh, No actually makes significantly less or more our options and they are far down the list, but there is a money thing second on the list. It's not about salary. I'll give Spending you Spending habits? Their debt. If they oh, have a debt. significant okay. amount of debt, 49% mm-hmm. say they definitely or probably would not date them. Okay. But that's not even number one. Um, desire to have kids? No. How about- I'll give you a hint. Okay. I say it all the time. Oh God. Commuting? <laughs> Distance, whatever. It says long distance relationship, lives far away. Okay, far away though, for that most is people means subjective. like a plane ride, okay? <laughs> for you, it means to a different suburb Tacoma of Seattle. Is it no? 51% would definitely or probably not date someone who lives far away. You can say commute to date. You know well, you want to. Because I'm right about it. <laughs> but you do it all the time. It's a problem, I know. Okay, um, okay. I still want to try to get at least one. <laughs> Like alcohol or drug use? Mm-mm. I'm going to read you a couple things that are lower down the list. Okay. 27% would definitely or probably not date someone who's a Republican. <laughs> okay. 11% would definitely or probably not date someone who's a Democrat. Okay. Way up the list is something related, but much more specific. Trump? Yes. <laughs> Because that is definitely not necessarily a party-affiliated decision. (laughs) Not entirely, no. Yeah, 47% definitely or probably would not date someone who voted for Trump. Oh my gosh, that's (laughs) so funny. In contrast, 26% would definitely or probably not date somebody who voted for Hillary. So Okay. (laughs) Well, and that was even before the trading cards. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Well before the NFTs. Nobody even saw that coming. Somehow we did not see that coming. You know, when I saw the the trading cards, one of my first thoughts was these look like a bunch of pictures from a bad dating app profile. 
I mean, I would immediately swipe left if I saw anybody (laughs) doing anything even remotely like that. (laughs) So one exception to that being every once in a while, you'll see a guy holding his cat with like the funny laser background. Oh, yeah. And as long as he has other pictures that are like reasonable, normal pictures. Right. I love that. I think it's hilarious. Okay. That's (laughs) legit. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, we've sent each other multiple of those. Look at this guy's so funny. (laughs) Okay. So moving along here, most Americans say it's harder for men to know how to behave on dates in the era of Me Too. I mean, I, I have said in the past that I feel a little bad for guys who feel paralyzed, like I want to show interest or make a move or whatever, Mm -hmm. but I am afraid that anything I say or do could be taken out of context or I don't mean for it to come out the way that they, you know, receive it or whatever. And so I'm sure that's true. And I feel bad that men are having to struggle with that so much. For me, that's really close to the point. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the promising young woman thing where women have had to be careful what they say and do literally forever. Mm-hmm. And men are starting to have to be more careful about what they say or do. And because they haven't had to, they're like, oh, no, I'm paralyzed. Now what? It's like, yeah, you're starting to get it. It's the men are afraid women are going to laugh at them. Women are afraid men are going to kill them thing. And so while the ramifications for men could be, like you say something inappropriate at work, you lose your job. You touch somebody and they didn't want it and you didn't know and you didn't mean it, but now you've got legal trouble. The downsides do suck. But again, for me, I think about the downsides for women and we are afraid for literal bodily harm and or death. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a, yeah, welcome. Welcome to having to think about what you say and do. Sure. And I think that men should be very aware that Time's up. Hey, see what I did there? On a lot of bad behavior and just getting away with it. And I certainly don't condone or support any of that intentional. What I'm saying is men that feel like I don't want to be that person. I don't want to bring that kind of trauma or fear or whatever Mm -hmm. to women. And I am afraid that no matter what, there will be something that is worthy of an accusation, even if I don't intend for it to be that way. Yeah. Sure. And that's happened and is going to continue to happen, unfortunately. Yeah. I don't think it's all just men that are like, I don't want to have to fucking think about what I say and do, you know? Of course not. But I think that it's imperative for them to acknowledge in the same way that like all white people need to acknowledge that we have racist thoughts and prejudices and tendencies because we were fucking conditioned to. Mm -hmm. I think that men need to be willing to understand and admit that they will always have those sexist things in their head because they were taught to. So acknowledging that is the first step in recognizing, like, don't follow a lady down the flight of stairs in the parking garage because she probably is freaking out that you're back there if it's just the two of you. Like, have the thought in your head, how is this person going to experience this? And be willing to ask the questions and talk about it and just admit that, like, I'm in the power position here and... I need to try extra hard to do a little bit better. Yeah, I don't think that a lot of men would currently agree that they are in the power position. From their perspective, I think they would feel like it's actually swinging the other way because there are consequences 
as there should be for their actions. But you can even have a guy who wants to be all those Mm -hmm. things and agrees with all those things and is mindful and yet slips up just like how we always talk about when it comes to gender and sexual orientation and things like that. We say to our kids like, hey, I'm gonna fuck up and Mm -hmm. like use the wrong pronouns or say the wrong thing or whatever. And And I want you to correct me. I think that sometimes for men, they feel like it's so black and white that if they make a mistake or fuck up, instead of somebody saying, hey, let me correct you on that, it's like they're canceled. Right. So if they approached life the way we're approaching the gender stuff with the kids and saying, I recognize that this is new for me and I'm going to fuck it up. Do you think that if a man said that first, like as he's getting to know somebody or whatever, mm-hmm. or in a boardroom, or I don't know, acknowledged that if they were to say, hey, I see the disparity, I'm trying to learn and do better. Please know that that's my intention. And if I do fuck up, let's talk about it. I want to know. I want to learn. I want to do better in the like, way that we're you, doing. Like, are you saying that you would want a guy to say that to you on a date? If I do something inappropriate that I don't realize is inappropriate. I want you. I'd be totally open to that. But open to it is different than wanting it. Do you want people to come in with that much intentionality on a date? Like, is that your expectation? Expectation? No, I don't expect that from anybody. But I think it would be nice for everyone to just acknowledge the places where they don't have all the information or they recognize their privilege. I saw a, you know, this is not the same, but I saw a TikTok. He's like a social justice content creator, a black man. And he had stitched a video that was a white guy saying, I'm a racist and I want to talk about how and why I'm racist. And then he goes on to say some of the most anti-racist shit ever because he's acknowledging his internalized racism and all these places where he knows he's failing and wants to do better. And I think that's that's the piece that's missing with the, the gender differences is that for the most part, you know, I don't think it's fair to say that the pendulum has swung the other way and now the women have the power. I think it's that men have less power than they're used to and that feels egregious to them and they don't know what to do. So I just, I think that if people did come into it with more intentionality, everyone would do better and they would be more likely to, to watch what they're doing in a way that's meaningful, not just be like, I'm scared, so I'm not gonna do anything. Right. Well, I mean, when I'm talking about the the women having power, like a woman could accuse a man of something that didn't happen. Sure. And there are still plenty of situations where they would not be considered credible. But there have been a lot of situations where, you know, there's kind of like no tolerance for it because of all this activism. Mm -hmm. They could lose their career, lose their family, like they could stand to lose a lot because those kinds of accusations are really powerful. Yeah. And they're powerful because if they're true, people are really getting hurt and a lot of damage is being done. But if they're not true, I think based on what I've heard, read, etc., that they feel like it doesn't matter because in this environment, all it takes is an accusation and you're canceled. But remember though, that like from the episode we did with Tom about promising young woman, I don't remember what the stats were, but the instance of those accusations being false mm-hmm. from all the studies that they've done on this are very low. The percentages are very low. 
It's never going to be 100% fail safe, no matter what topic you're talking about. There's always going to be error. There's always going to be people trying to take advantage of something in some way. Mm-hmm. That's never going to go away because humans are fucking terrible. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't honestly feel like there is a way for me to articulate what I want to say without like igniting you. <laughs> <laughs> I get passionate. I think that when you reach the point where people think that you are just kind of man-hating, all men are shit, and all men should have to think about this, I I think what people start to hear is that, like, all men should be punished. That's not, that's a false equivalency. That's not a fair thing to put in my mouth. Like, if I'm saying I think they should think about this in the same way that I'm saying as a white person, I should fucking think about that. Mm -hmm. Think about that privilege that I've got. Mm Mm-hmm. And take that into my life every day. I'm totally genuine about that. Like, I think that that's a reasonable thing to ask of people. When I'm saying, I hear you, but think about some of the things that they might feel or experience in this situation. And there are some good guys out there. Of course there are. The response is always, well, they shouldn't get that because this, this, and this, you know, because of our history, because whatever... I'm trying to look at both sides of the equation Mm -hmm. and you're so dominant on the one side. Well, let's take somebody, you know, personally, for example, your coworker that I know you're really good friends with, Mm -hmm. you know, that he is a really solid guy. Mm -hmm. let's say that he was in an environment like doing a site visit or something and someone made an accusation that he said or did something that was highly inappropriate and he was terminated without question not appropriate we can't have those kinds of accusations that's legal shit waiting to happen whatever you're gone today and he were to say to you that's not what fucking happened i didn't do that you know you know him you know that he's a good yeah. person. Would your response be like, well, too bad? You know, no. like, yeah. <laughs> of course not. But I, I'm i not trying to talk about this at all in any black and white terms. Nothing from what I'm trying to say. It is, feels like it to me. Well, it's I am passionate about it, but I don't think that anyone should have an all or nothing perspective on anything. There's nuance to everything like we always talk about. I feel like you're putting in my mouth kind of an all or nothing situation. And that's not what I'm trying to say at all. I'm just saying that everyone would do better if people who have privilege acknowledge it. And that if someone did come to me with that intentionality and say, I don't want to fuck up, but I'm gonna. So help me like we have done with the kids. That would set everyone up to do better. I don't think anyone should ever be just terminated, thrown away, whatever, because of someone else saying something. Obviously, there needs to be justice done for whatever happened, if anything, but there needs to be due diligence. You know, I'm, it, we, we went over all this in the other episode with Tom. You were talking about what if my son had an accusation right. against him? You know, I have the same answer. I would never just make a decision about somebody based on one piece of information, especially if I already have a bunch of other pieces of information about them. Mm-hmm. But that's not really what I'm even talking about. So I don't know. I think I'm hearing it differently than you're intending me to. Because I get fiery about this shit. And then I think that you think that's where I'm headed. Mm. You know what I mean? Everything I'm reacting to is stuff that I've heard you say Mm. tonight, not stuff that I think you're thinking in your head. Mm. Well, if I can sum all of what I'm trying to say up, it, it all comes back to acknowledging the privilege that you have. And in this world, we live in a patriarchal society. Men do have that privilege. They always have. Mm -hmm. Things are starting to shift. And so that probably feels unfair to them. 
And so if they were willing to acknowledge that there has always been an imbalance and that maybe it should shift to become more equal, then I think we'd do better. And do you think that there is a lack of acknowledgement on their part, generally speaking? Generally speaking, yes. And we do know some incredibly good men. They are out there. And I mean, you can't have any of these conversations and mean it about every single man ever, you know, and but mm-hmm. it's, it seems silly to have to say every time you say anything, but I'm not talking about all men. It's not that thing. I'm just I want to be able to have the conversation without having to make that caveat every time I say something. So I recognize there are good fucking men. I recognize there are shitty fucking women. You know, it's not all or nothing. So yeah, it's, you know, in order to change anything significantly like that, where people do have that strong privilege, there always has to be that dialogue from both sides. There always has to be that grace given for people who aren't intending to be hurtful yeah. or say or do the wrong thing. And I think actually a lot of this ties back to our cancel culture episode, too. Yeah, it's all very intertwined. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about orgasms now. (laughs) Okay. Okay. There's a phrase that I actually jokingly kind of wanted to bring up when we did the episode with Isaac about weaponized incompetence and burnout. And then I was like, we'll leave this for another time. Um, The orgasm gap. Mm -hmm. So in almost every study that's ever been done on this, certainly in the (laughs) recent past, again, talking about heterosexual relationships, men report reaching orgasm about 95% of the time in their sexual encounters with women. The other 5%, they've had too much whiskey. That is likely. (laughs) Women report reaching orgasm about 65% of the time. Mm -hmm. So that gives one more reason why women might choose to just go ahead and not enter that relationship or that situation. Because I can reach an orgasm 100% of the time by myself. Right. And never before has there been so many battery-operated options. Exactly. We have so many choices. Bob, is that what people used to call it? Battery-operated right. boyfriend? Yeah, I've always thought that was interesting. The orgasm gap. Do you have any information on what this is like for same-sex couples? Like, is there this same issue where one spouse tends to take on more of the work? No, I don't have any of that here in front of me. And I don't know specifically about division of labor, that stuff. But I do know that the highest percentage of reaching orgasm every time is lesbian couples. Oh, so there's always something tempting. Ladies know what ladies like. (laughs) That's just one more piece of evidence that heterosexuality, homosexuality, any of those is not a fucking choice. Because if I could find a partner who was going to pull their weight, always give me orgasms. And she happened to be a woman. Great. Except I'm not attracted to that. Just so hard. (laughs) Maybe you could do like reverse conversion therapy. Perfect. (laughs) Please. I want to be converted from heterosexual. Um. Let's see if you can guess some rough percentages here. What percentage of people say that they think casual sex between consenting adults, not in a committed relationship, mm-hmm. is never acceptable? Um, 15%? It's 24. Oh. Yeah. And then another 14 think it's rarely acceptable. Really? Party poopers. Lame. Yeah. What percentage of people think having an open relationship is never acceptable? Mm, I bet it's higher. I bet it's like 40%. 48. Jesus. Uh-huh. Bunch of puritanical bullshit in this country. <laughs> Get it together, guys. Uh, I would love to see the geographic region of that study. Like, where did the people who gave the answers yeah, come from? Yeah. I don't know if they break it down like that. This is just from the U.S. 
Hopefully they got representation from different geographic areas because... I would think so. I mean, the Pew Research Center, they do things right. Yeah. Yeah. They have stats here on the best way to break up with someone. What? (laughs) What are the best ways to break up with someone? In person, basically. Oh, okay. Oh, not like... (laughs) For some reason, I thought it was going to be like... Like, ooh, I'm going to learn a new tactic here. Yeah. (laughs) I thought it was going to be like suggested methods. It's not you. It's me. Old reliable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it does say that very few people say they would ghost someone, which oh, is whatever. bullshit. That's a lie. It's absolutely a lie. Too many people have done it for that to be right. <laughs> Although, again, once you've like known somebody a little longer and you've actually been dating, those numbers go down. Yeah, I guess it's like, what is the definition of ghost? Yeah. According to this, I know what my definition is. Sure. <laughs> Let's see. Well, most people say it's uh, never acceptable to end a committed relationship through texting, email, or private message on social media. (laughs) That happens a lot too, though. Yeah, of course it does. A lot of people would say you shouldn't do it, but then they do it. (laughs) Oh, here it is. Only 8% say they would ghost someone. (laughs) Bullshit. Wow. But it doesn't say what they mean by that. Those people get the honesty badge. (laughs) Sure, sure. So here's the actual numbers on what we're talking about with the standards. Women say it's hard to find someone who's looking for the same kind of relationship and meets their standards. The percentage saying that it's hard to find someone who meets their expectations, men say, 35% of men say that, 56% of women. Hard to find someone looking for the same type of relationship, 45% of men, 65% of women. What do they mean type of relationship? Like, are you just looking for casual dating? Are you looking for a long-term relationship? Oh, okay. Are you just looking to fuck, you know? (laughs) And it appears that it's far more common for LGBTQ folks to meet online than heterosexual folks, which I suppose makes sense given that in a lot of places around the country, you might need to be a little more covert about that. Yeah, or like when you meet somebody, you don't necessarily know if they're straight or bi or gay or pan or whatever. And so if you're going to a vehicle that says everybody who uses this is going to be interested in your right. gender. That is a good point. Then, you know, it's a numbers game, right? <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always a fucking numbers game. Which is why, eventually, we will get back out there. I saw a TikTok the other day. It was this gal who hadn't been on the apps for a while, and she's like, I turned it on with a different approach this time. I decided I'm going to do it like a man would, and I'm going to swipe yes on everyone and just see what happens. And she did that, swiped a bunch, went to bed, Woke up to 75 new matches. <laughs> and then she was going to go through and actually look at the profiles after they'd matched, which is, I think, what a lot of guys do. A lot of men do do that, yeah. I didn't stay tuned to see what happened. Okay. Maybe I'll have to check back in, see if I can find that Yeah, girl. I'd like the epilogue on that. Yeah, for sure. Any thoughts? How are you feeling about getting back out there at some point? That's a good question. <laughs> right? I know that eventually we'll be back in the dating game, one or both of us, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe not exactly the same time. I wish I was more excited about that. Right? (laughs) That's the thing. It's like, I thought that by waiting basically six months, I would kind of build that excitement back up. Right. But I know too much. I've seen how the sausage is made. The thing is that the desire for a partner is still there. Yeah. But the process, what once seemed like an exciting adventure, Mm. is now a well-traveled road that has a lot of potholes in it. And it's uphill both ways. Right. In the snow. (laughs) Yuck. So (laughs) 
So everyone's going to be super excited to date me because I have a great attitude. (laughs) That's fun. All right. Michelle and I just went down a very long rabbit hole that has all been cut. (laughs) Yep. But we're bringing it back so that we can bring it to a close. Yes. I am hoping to work up some excitement to get back out there (laughs) in a couple weeks, maybe. I'm going to help you brainstorm some ways. Maybe we should do vision boards again one night. Ooh, yeah. It's been a while. Is yours (laughs) still above my head here? No, I had to finally get rid of it because it got destroyed by four-legged friends. That is so strange that, <laughs> that that would happen here in the menagerie. I know. But yeah, maybe some vision boarding is in order. Okay. Find us some magazines we can cut up. And then you can take a picture of yours and put it on your profile. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. This is what I'm looking for. I'm manifesting you. You know what's funny? You know how some of the apps let you put a song on there, like Tinder, you pick like a theme song or something. Right. <laughs> so one of Taylor Swift's new songs from her Midnight's album. It's called Vigilante Shit. It starts with draw cat eyes sharp enough to kill a man. And the whole thing is about like women getting revenge on men. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what if I just went out guns a blazing and put that on there? I thought I thought you were going to say you wanted to use her song that's like, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Yeah. That does spend a lot of time stuck in my head, which is very rude. <laughs> I don't like that. Self-deprecating. Don't do it. It's just a real catchy tune. Yeah, well, pretty much everything T-Swift writes is real catchy. I really do like the new album, and I really love the 3 a.m. version because it's got like six extra songs. It's wonderful. She's talented. Anyway, okay. Okay. Do we have any final wrap-up words of wisdom? Any Prosecco theories? Dating sucks. (laughs) Can't wait. Wow, what a revelation. (laughs) Can't wait. No, I don't know. I am really glad, though, that I took the last several months off. And for the most part, I really wasn't even thinking about it. Like, I would start to get antsy a couple times here and there. But I was busy. Even when I wasn't, I was just able to relax and enjoy and be alone, but not lonely. Alone, but not lonely is a good mantra. And I guess I would say, like, what I'm taking away from all this is I think it's kind of positive to see women there's a contingent, at least, of women that are feeling like, I don't have to do this. Yeah, more empowered. It seems like there used to be a lot of societal pressure mm-hmm. on women. When are you going to settle down? When are you going to get married? When are you going to have babies? All yeah. that. Mm-hmm. It's nice to know that there's enough women out there that feel comfortable withstanding that pressure, or maybe it's easing up or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think that's good. And that's separate from how the men are reacting to it. Yeah. But as just a general premise, that's a really positive thing. Absolutely. And it's a good thing that we are easing them all into that. Because Gen Z don't give a fuck no. <laughs> about societal expectations. So as, shit up. as they're coming up, yeah. look out. <laughs> I can't wait to see what they do. I know, right? Okay. Okay. Well, we are going to roll. So, y'all, please find us online. You haven't dropped a y'all in a while. It's been a minute. Find us online at ProseccoTheory.com. You can email us at cheers at ProseccoTheory.com. Find us on Instagram at ProseccoTheory. Go to TeePublic, search ProseccoTheory, and find our wonderful merch. And like, rate, review, follow, subscribe, wherever you listen. We would love that. And I hope that y'all are having a great holiday season, whatever holiday it is you celebrate. Festivus for you, is it? A little bit of Hanukkah, (laughs) some Christmas. Some Kwanzaa. Some Kwanzaa. Whatever you celebrate, get after it. Some sort of pagan celebration. Yeah. (laughs) I'm in. All right. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, Miss Megan. Cheers.